Welcome to Our Lord's Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit OLCC.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at OLCCOKC. Welcome to All Saints Community Church, formerly Our Lord's Community Church. We're in this process of moving from the RCA, the Reformed Church in America, to the Vineyard Movement, going to be All Saints Community Church. And I've shared in recent weeks that we've been working on signage around the building and revamping our website. It's an interesting time to do it in the holidays. It's just going to take us some extra time. We're glad you're here. We're a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus, and we've got a lot of good things happening among us, church, a lot to be thankful for. I'm going to be catching my breath for the next 15 minutes. Anybody else kind of throw off some heaviness that you brought with you this morning? I just, I have plenty of heaviness. I think many of you do too, and there's just a time to throw that off. Shout before the Lord, dance before the Lord, humble yourselves, humble ourselves before the Lord. And I think the Lord's lighting a fuse among us. And I wanted to turn to Amanda and say, I don't feel 25 anymore. Dancing, we would, back in the late 90s, we would dance through the night. We would gather together those early Bridgeway days and we'd have 100 uh, 150 young people and we would literally dance and dance and dance into the night worshiping the Lord and people would come. They would be invited and they would actually get saved coming in and there was no necessary, it was like a worship evangelism, presence of God evangelism. They would enter that room and the holiness and glory of God would touch them and they would give their lives to Jesus. So who knows what the Lord's going to be doing among us I would encourage you to wear comfortable shoes, maybe take some ibuprofen, or learn to dance with your hands, maybe, if for some reason, and I really do, I want to be respectful. Some people can't dance for various reasons, physically, and we want to pray for the sick regularly, but I tell you, even if you're pretty immobilized, you can find a way to boogie before the, is that right, Ronnie? What look, you got some loafers on today? I'm not sure those are good dancing shoes, but it's not going to stop Ronnie Ladd, is it? You're used to it. Lord, give us some of that Pentecostal church, that charismatic church, right? So good things are happening among us. Some of you know this, but the RCA actually sent some of the final paperwork to us this week. And so God bless Todd Glass another attorney that we have working with us, and Wallace and our elders. We are in the final, final moments of those things happening. We've also got great stuff happening on our staff in addition to the Lord bringing Wallace Walter from among us and also raising up Colton Claire Westbrook. There are really good things happening on our teams across the board in worship and kids and youth. You've been able to see 
an assortment of people preaching and teaching, and we're all very different in the way that we look into the scriptures and present it, but it just illustrates that we are a team and we do things in a team fashion around here. Um, some folks may not like that. They, are, they want to go and hear that one worship leader and they want to hear that one teacher. And we may have some people that are primary in worship and primary in teaching, but their job is to raise up other people. So that is the way forward here. We're going to have an assortment of people. I think that's the Lord's heart, especially as we become a vineyard. I also want to encourage you to be looking on the website and listening and maybe even speaking with Connie Willems here about groups. We're going to be talking about it more in January and launching those in February. The Lord's going to multiply our groups. We're shaking off the, the clouds of COVID. We had great momentum. We had over 30 groups before COVID hit, and we're going to get back to that and more. So I want to encourage you to be thinking about it's wonderful to join together on Sundays, but it's wonderful to also see the life of God, the body of Christ in your living rooms, in your places of work. So we're going to be talking about that. On the note of schedule, we have no service a week from today. All right, so if you come and knock on the doors, they will be locked. And I guess you could have church in the parking lot, but we will not be having church next week. That's so you can be with family and friends. Also, January 2nd, in two weeks, we're going to do what we've been doing in recent years, and we're going to have extended worship and stories. We're going to be sharing stories from the year, what God is doing, and those things that really underscore our vision and values as a church. So we're at the fourth Sunday in Advent. As you look up here, you can see hope, peace, joy, and love. We've been talking about all of those themes, and thank you to Kaylee and Colt and Wallace for their preaching and teaching. Today, if you want to look in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Micah chapter 5. We read verses 2 through 5 already. We've got pew Bibles there you can utilize, and I'll have slides. This is one of the great messianic prophecies about the coming king from Bethlehem. And it was actually over 700 years before Christ. I want to give just a moment of background here as you find Micah 5. Easy way to do it is to find Matthew in the New Testament and then hang a left about six books and you will find yourself in Micah. Before we read it, I just want to mention a few things about Micah and his historical context. His name means who is like Yahweh, who is like the Lord. And we don't know much about Micah. It's interesting, this prophet is mentioned in the book of Jeremiah in chapter 26, verse 18, when some of the elders actually quote from the book of Micah, chapter 3. Micah was prophesying in the 8th century before Christ. He was from a town called Morasheth, and that's a town in the fertile foothills of Judah, about 25 miles southwest of Jerusalem. He was a contemporary, so he was prophesying at the same time Isaiah was. And like Isaiah, Micah was prophesying about the Assyrian destruction of the northern kingdom where he was in Israel. 
and the future defeat of the southern kingdom by the Babylonians. So it was a dark day in which Micah was prophesying and bringing the word of the Lord. His book has seven chapters. Again, we're going to look at chapter 5. And like the other Old Testament prophetic books, Micah encourages the people of God to remember their covenant relationship with God or else face the consequences of discipline and judgment and being removed from the land. So we kind of, I do this so that we can kind of paint a picture a little bit and sit with that historical context and therefore understand a little bit more about this particular passage that we're going to look at. The overall message of Micah, and you'll hear some of this in chapter five, is that judgment is coming. They've turned away from the Lord but God would restore them. So in spite of their straying from God, the Lord was engendering hope. So let's read this passage. And you know what? If you don't mind standing, it might work out a little of the soreness for those of you that were moving around a little bit. Micah 5, 2, through just the first part of verse 5 there. So that's why it's 5a. means that first line designated. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be the one of peace. This is the word of God. You can take a seat there. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at this. And quickly, I'm just going to point out four facets of the message in these amazing verses here. We didn't read it, but verse one, that kind of frames this whole passage, speaks of Jerusalem being encircled by the invading Assyrians. And they're about to lay siege to the city. And they're about to actually come in and strike the ruler of Israel, Hezekiah, on the face, which was the ultimate insult in the ancient world. And so in view of this, verses 2 through 5, which we just read, bring a great message of hope in a dire situation. And you've already seen it. You've heard it. A ruler would one day come from a small town called Bethlehem, and a king would transform the oppression and destruction of God's people into rebirth, freedom, and joy. I wanted us to think about this because I don't know if we hear enough about messianic prophecy, prophecies about the Messiah like this, sometimes 700, 800 years before Christ was born, and this is one of those moments. You can look there in your Bible, but I'm going to read from 1 Peter because it helps us understand a a passage like this. 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12, I don't have a slide for this, you can look that up toward the end of the New Testament. The Apostle Peter says this about a passage like Micah 5. Listen to what he says. 
Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours, the early Christians, made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the spirit of Messiah or Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and his subsequent glory. It was revealed to them, including Micah, that they were serving not themselves, but you in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Catch this last phrase here. Things into which angels long to look. This is one of those places in Old Testament scripture where the spirit of the Messiah that dwelt in the prophets was whispering and speaking about the coming of the Messiah. So through Micah, the Holy Spirit was announcing to the future people of God, the early church, and to the church now, revealing that Messiah would come, but in a way that many people would not comprehend. This is the stuff that angels have longed to look into. Friends, this is profound. It is beautiful, it is glorious, and we have it in our hands. We can open this up any day, every day, all through the day, and search and inquire about the beauty of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the coming of the Messiah, his first coming and his second coming. This is a glorious passage. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? I'm just pointing out four things here, and the first is that God's ruler will come from Bethlehem. We're going to see in this that God works in and from very unlikely places. So look there at verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you will come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel. So in the face of the Assyrians, the baddest army in that part of the world, and the destruction of Jerusalem, Micah says this, from Bethlehem. In this small little district, one will come forth for God, who will rule in Israel. Now, why the town of Bethlehem, and why this district of Ephrathah, and why the clan of Judah? That's where David was born. King David was born about 300 years before Micah was saying this, and that's where King David emerged and where the Davidic kingship or monarchy was established. So this prophecy was crucial for the New Testament writers. So crucial was it that Matthew mentions it in his gospel in chapter 2, verse 6, and John, the apostle John, also mentions it in chapter 7, 42 of his gospel. Friends, this was one of the most prized messianic prophecies in the entire New Testament for those early believers. Now, look at the text here when it, says, it speaks of Bethlehem and Ephrathah. Something rather mysterious here, it says, from you will come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. This can mean a couple of things. One is that it means 
that God would establish in this coming Messiah would establish and reestablish the royal line of King David. Amos 9.11 says this, On that day I will raise up the booth of David, or the house of David that has fallen, and repair its breaches, and raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old. And so Micah is saying through the Holy Spirit that God will raise up and restore the Davidic kingship. A second thing, and you probably already thought this as you read it, you probably thought this seems like someone more than just a normal human being. Do you hear that in the language? Some of the early church fathers read this passage and they noted similarities with some of the other passages in the New Testament. This one early church father named Theodore said this, This passage in Micah resembles the prologue or the opening chapter of John's gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He goes on to say this, this person who was before time, who was in the beginning with God, who is God the word, with his origins, from that source, from the beginning, receives his birth according to the flesh in Bethlehem, making this small town famous and illustrious. So friends, this is filled with rich meaning. The Messiah is being promised here. He'll be greater than David. He actually comes from eternity past with no beginning and no end. This is Christ the Lord. This is who we're celebrating. This verse says many things. And I just want us to see for a moment here, this is not theological minutiae or details. Friends, this has practical implications. God brings forth big things from small, unlikely places. So I want to ask you, Friends, what is God doing in you today that reflects that? Where is God looking to bring forth significant things from you? Things that seem insignificant, small, unimportant in your heart, your mind, your friendships, your marriage, your work, your pocketbook. This is kingdom wisdom. The Lord does extraordinary things in tiny ways, with small beginnings. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 13, it's that tiny mustard seed that becomes a massive tree and fills the earth. This is the essence of the kingdom. Those who are faithful in a little bit are entrusted with more. So friends, this passage shows us that God chose a tiny, insignificant place from which to bring forth the Messiah, Christ the Lord. A second thing, look at verse 3. God works on his timetable. And we've already seen here, because we looked at the historical context, that God is at work in hard times. Israel, the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom both were facing really, really tough times. And this passage shows us that sometimes things get worse before they get better. 
rather difficult to understand here in the, the original language as well here. Look at verse 3. He will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred or brothers will return to the land of Israel. So what was happening was they were being temporarily abandoned in this moment because of their disobedience. God was giving them over to discipline through their enemies. But if you look, even woven into this is hope. There is hope that through the difficulties and the birth pangs of it all, God would bring forth new life. It's probably also saying that this expectation is something similar to what Isaiah says in chapter 714 about the coming of Emmanuel. Friends, God doesn't promise to deliver his people then or now through, I'm going to rescue you out of it. You don't have to walk through it. This text is saying, no, God has a timetable and he works on that timetable. Oftentimes, birth pangs come just like they did in this prophecy 700 years before Christ. They had social and political upheaval. Their culture was being shattered. The people of God were being shattered. And yet the Lord was birthing something new. Sound familiar? 700 years before Christ, now there's some shattering, some disintegration, some challenges that are facing the people of God, the church of Jesus in America but we're going to see things work out on God's timetable. Kelly Glass shared a prophetic word this week, and if I weren't nice, I would have her come up right on the spot. But essentially, it was reiterating what this passage says, that we may go through times where she can describe this. It's like a woman in labor. It's not fun. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's painful. But there's joy at the end of it. And friends, I think we've been walking through that for several seasons here at our church, haven't we? It's been difficult. It's been painful. There's been birth pangs. But the Lord's working on his timetable. And he, in fact, will bring forth something beautiful and amazing. And it will be worth the wait. A third thing here. So we're going to do communion in a few moments here. That Micah 5 shows us is that God strengthens his leader Look at verse 4. God strengthens his leader to stand, serve, and bring security. He will stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they, the people of God, will live secure. For now he will be great to the ends of the earth. So this promised king that... Micah is looking at in the Spirit and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he will stand. And again, this was an amazing pronouncement in a moment when Micah's king was being struck on the face and dragged out of town. He was saying, have hope. People of God, have hope. There is a Messiah who's coming. There is an anointed one, and God will install him. God will cause him to stand. And this language represents some of the 
ceremonies that you find in the Old Testament where the new king was standing in the temple next to the pillar and he would be installed and a prophet, a priest would prophesy over him and anoint him with oil and then he would stand before the people as the king, as the agent through which God worked. And so Micah is saying that day is coming. The promised Messiah will come and will stand and he'll feed his flock. We read about this this morning, didn't we? That God himself is a shepherd over Israel and God's son, God's Messiah, this passage is saying, also stands as a shepherd, anointed to feed his flock, to care for his people, to fight back the enemies, the wolves. Friends, we know we have the advantage of seeing this passage in light of history, in light of the life and the ministry and the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. And we know that he fulfilled all of the many prophecies and desires for the ideal king. He is it. He embodies that. He incarnates that. What's beautiful about this passage, you will see at the end of that verse 4, look at it. There's something twofold here, and I've been praying it all week. See if you can see it in that last sentence there. Look at it. Look for the two things that are happening. You see them? They live secure, and he will be great. Let's say that together. They will live secure, and he will be great. That's a great arrow prayer. Right there, you can pray that. That will pray. That will preach to your own soul there. Lord, I will walk in security because of Christ the King, and he will be great to the ends of the earth. Friends, that is what the book is about. All of Scripture, the Lord providing, coming through, pulling his people through, bringing them into a secure place, and the name of Christ Jesus being great to the ends of the earth. The last thing here before we prepare for communion is that God brings peace through his ruler. Look at that at verse 5, that first line there. And he shall be the one of peace. He shall be the one of peace. Friends, again, imagine you've got an army encircling your cities, your towns. You're about to be absolutely ransacked. And Mike is bringing that word. He's saying there is a promised one who will restore peace. Jesus says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. He's telling his disciples this before he goes to the cross. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. So Jesus is saying from this passage through the Holy Spirit to us today, I'm the peace you need. I am the one of peace. Why don't we pray? I'm going to ask the elders to go ahead and come up and get communion here. Jesus, we thank you that you fulfill all of the prophecies of Messiah. That you came from an unlikely place. 
and that you are our peace no matter what we face. You fill us with peace, you bring peace, and you bring us through. And we want to see your greatness extend to the ends of the earth. We pray in your name.